podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Episode rapid fire questions. I'm thoroughly drunk already by the time I actually finished my entire bottle. But okay, let me do this. Also, <laughs> well, to make sure my bottle of wine. Okay, one more time for the people in the back. What was that? Yeah, exactly. Um, momento, por favor. So I'm Erica Lance, your host today, and with me as a guest host is the amazing, the incomparable, and the absolutely stunning on everything he hosts, Mark Muncy. I am thrilled and honored to be here, Erica. Thank you so much for that introduction. I couldn't have asked for better. So. I was trying to kind of one-up your introduction you did on the that last was, podcast because you basically great. made me bad, but whatever. It's fine. So will you introduce our amazing guest on this Literary Briefs episode? Oh, my goodness. I got to top the last one. You I got to say, all right. No pressure or anything. <laughs> so let's see. Let's go again. We have the incomparable, the talented, the uh, cosplayer extraordinaire, creator extraordinaire, haunter extraordinaire, character extraordinaire, and, of course, author of many, many amazing things, the incomparable Jackie Sonnenberg. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Hello. Okay, we're supposed to talk about what we're drinking so that people can drink along. I really hope there are people out there that are drinking with me. I've decided I want to call BWA podcast listeners drinkers, but I feel that's going to come back to haunt me. That's fine. <laughs> Get it? Haunt me? That was so cheesy. Thank you. So, I'm drinking the last of the glass of the 19 Crimes Uprising, because I've drunk the entire bottle. Thank you very much. Hashtag live goals. Mark, what are you drinking for the listening audience? I have audience? finished off my Arnold Palmer, and now I am just washing it all down with just the basics, purified water from Publix. You can't go wrong with that. And uh, and then I will be uh, popping my, uh, my wonderful pills for my epilepsy as this begins. So by the end of this, I will be feeling great. Jackie, what are you drinking? I'm also drinking a red wine. This is a Chilean Carmenere. It's uh, mixed with blackberries, raspberries, coffee, and spices. I'm just going to say hers is a lot more fancy than mine. Mine is really good, but I am a little jealous. No, not really. Not really. It was in the Bogo bin at Publix. Okay. Hashtag, I love that. Okay. So, rapid fire questions. I'm going to remember like two of them, as we all know. Thank you for listening to this podcast. What is your favorite book of all time? Who are you asking, me or Mark? No, I already already asked Mark. I've already been on. I'm completely. It's you, Jackie. What is your favorite book of all time? It's all me. Favorite of all time? Come on now, that's that narrows it down. I mean, I like I like Stephen King, I like J.K. Rowling series. Um, I like these are authors, not books. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm, but they wrote books, didn't they? Pick a damn book. <laughs> <laughs> There's just well, too many. Derailed already. I hope everybody's appreciating this fucking moment in time. I have two rapid fire questions. And you're not even answering. You're already going to need to worry about the I, second one. I, I don't have like one. a single one, like a book. What book have you reread the most? 
A book if I reread the most, um, I would say, uh, I don't know. I mean, oh, man. a little bit of everything. There's just not one single. Th- oh, Neil Gaiman. I read a lot of Neil Gaiman, and I love Coraline. There we go. Okay. There we go. Okay, we can work with that. Can we work with that? Okay, perfect. I'm taking that down. Pegged. It's on the board. <laughs> Pegged down. Okay, what is your least favorite book of all time? Um, anything I read in college that was just academic and boring and pointless. Can we just put that under that umbrella? We can't. See, we're all old enough. I'm, I'm willing to expose our age again. That we have required fucking reading lists. By yeah, the way, we, we don't really have this in school anymore. Yeah, what? They, what yeah. do you mean they don't have it in school anymore? They don't have I don't even have it here. That's a load of crap. Whatever the fuck you want. I mean, I loved reading. I just hated it when it was things that were, you know, drivel and pointless and stupid, like um, a river Nair. runs through it. Like a river runs through it or Nair. the awakening or there's this one where it was just about a little girl collecting rocks. It was so horrible. I can't even remember what it was, but it had no plot. There was no point to it. Why are we reading this shit? Honestly. I will say I was forced to read To Kill a Mockingbird, and then it's actually one of my favorite books of all time. Oh, that was, yeah, that was a good one. And that I was forced, that and Lord of the Flies. I was forced to read Lord of the Flies, too. Like, that was a required reading book. Fucking mm-hmm. love Lord of the Flies. It's probably the reason I kill people in a lot of my stories. Anyway, um, <laughs> going back to that. What is your least favorite book? I love that Mark's laughing at me. It's cool. It's okay. We're all on a podcast together, so uh, I can't I, kill any of you. I remember this was... Yeah. <laughs> what is your least favorite book of all time? Least favorite book of all time? <laughs> I mean... Hi. Okay. Um, Algebra 2. There you go. Oh, fuck Algebra. There you yeah. go. I got thrown out of my algebra class. Fun story in high school. So I ended up in this town called Green Lake, Wisconsin, because my relatives lived there. Population 1,200 people. We're just going to go down this path together for a moment. And um, the school from kindergarten through high school was all in one combined building because there obviously was not enough students. My graduating class which I did not graduate from, was um, 61 people. Nice. Oh, my yeah. God. That's how fucking tiny this town was. Yeah. But, Jesus. yeah, no, fucking absolutely tiny. I don't even know where I was going with the story. But um, <laughs> <laughs> what did you say right before that? That's terrible. Okay, I'm drunk. We're going to continue on. But. Yeah. Um, algebra. Oh, yes. Now I remember where I was going with the story. So um, I actually was in the algebra class. And one of the things, because I had grown up in Hollywood, California, and done homeschooling, I asked a lot of questions. And I'll tell you, math is, I can't math. I I do human resources. I deal with fucking people, but I can't math. No one can and math. It's, fuck math. It's like, abomination. Yeah. Accountants, I love you, but fuck math. And um, so I'm sitting in this algebra class, and the teacher's name was Mrs. Marsh. And I hope she's alive and listening to this podcast. But she had a crooked witch nose. Not even going to lie, like that bent witch nose. No way. Fucking way. (laughs) And a mole on the side of her face, which is fine. I know facial things, but it was like too perfect. And I remember in algebra, so I took algebra one because I didn't fucking understand math and I raised my hand and I asked a question and she was like I'm sorry what and I asked the question again because I didn't understand a concept and she's like well it's on page blah 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 27 whatever and I'm like no but I don't understand can you explain it to me 
she kicked me out of her motherfucking class. Yeah. So for the entire year, because she was the math teacher, I could not take a math class. I showed up sophomore year, start of school, walk into her classroom, and she goes, no, go to the library. Jesus Christ. She probably couldn't teach. I, I, I was like, okay, so I went to the principal's office, who, by the way, blamed me for everything that happened in the school. I maybe explained to people how to de- disassemble a Volkswagen bug and that might have ended up in the gym, whatever. But she, I literally went to the principal's office. I'm like, the math teacher won't teach me math. She goes, well, I guess you're going to have to do summer school. And I'm like, well, who's the math teacher for summer school? She goes, this might be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Anyway. I, had the, I had the awesome problem of having too many kids in my math class, so I disappeared for three weeks and they didn't notice. So you lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> I wish I had that power. By uh, sophomore year, I, uh, I, oh. I would just go hang out in the, uh, the theater uh, with the drama class and I would hide up in the rafters and became the phantom of the auditorium. Okay. I love the fact that as adults, we think that's really cool, but as kids, we would have oh. been like, you were fucking with the drama nerds. Yes. Uh, I was yes, a drama totally. nerd. Who, hello. No, drama I was nerd, drama nerd, and I was, I would just, they knew I was there. I was just up in the attic making noises every once in a while. And then finally the drama teacher would go, is there somebody up there? And I would go, no. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got cast in um, a Shakespeare play and I was one of the three witches and they, I left and I was on vacation. I was out of school for like four weeks or something. I don't know what the fuck my mom was doing, but whatever. She was happy. It was cool. And um, I can't, they cast me in this. So by the way, my entire rehearsal for this play was to show back up and dress rehearsal night do the lines and then do the play. Yep. And I was like, this seems like a terrible plan. Like to the drama teacher, I was like, this, this seems like you haven't planned this well. I have a lot of lines. I'm not even just somebody on the sidelines. Like I have a lot of lines because I was first witch. Of, yeah, that's a good yeah. yeah. And I'm like, he's like, no, it'll be fine. You'll be great. And I'm like, cool. So I literally had to rehearse with my sister playing all the parts and show up on dress rehearsal night, by the way, wasn't there for the costume fitting to put first switch in this Shakespeare. I was like, okay, that's happening. Oh, we've got very left rapid fire questions. Mark, do you have a rapid fire question you can help with? Uh, yeah, I'm sure I can ask something. Oh, uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, Jackie, what yes. is, uh, let's see. So we did favorite book, least favorite book. Uh, what, who is the, your most, the, the writer that influences you the most? Stephen King. Okay. What well, is, and J.K. Rowling too. Sorry, okay. it's a twofer. Twofer. All right. Which Neil writer? Gaiman, which writer would you never want to emulate? Please tell me it's E.L. James. <laughs> well, I don't consider I don't consider that a real writer. Sorry, not sorry. I would say I don't I want to be like, never be on my show. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I would honest. I would honestly say that the author of the Twilight Saga. Um, because I feel like, I feel like that, that it's okay to take something in a different direction, but you know, when you take it so far out of the way that it's like not even in the same universe, it's, it's a little strange. So you were saying your new book, uh, that you definitely are not Twilight. So what sets your characters apart? Okay. So 
my book, The Little Dog Laughed, it's it's about different types of vampires. So in this one, the, the vampires being vampires is not the main conflict. The vampires themselves are not the antagonists, what you believe. So it's about a, a girl that marries into a, a rich vampire family, but she already knows that they're vampires. That's not the main thing. Like, oh, my God, they're vampires. What am I going to do now? Ah, no. She already knows that. They're there. She actually is a struggling teenage mom. And when she meets Conrad, the son of the wealthy family, she falls in love with him, and she moves into the family. They take her in. But she keeps her child a secret. She is so terrified of them finding out that she was a teenage mom. She thought that they would reject her. So the main conflict of this story really is about secrets and lies and manipulation. And vampirism is a secondary thing. And here it's almost like... No, they absolutely absolutely (laughs) do not sparkle in that way, but... They're very rich and wealthy, so the vampires are actually the good guys. They are good people. I mean, we're going to see the nasty side of vampirism here, too, because it's really about how it can change people for the worst. You get the main character, Felicity, and her son, Isaac, that she actually raises in the house as a secret. And she raises him to be a private blood donor from the family because she finds out that he has a rare blood type. So he's AB negative, and it's one of the rarest blood types in the world. And it's actually the type of, that the family craves and they can never find. So she she pumps them and she feeds the family without their knowing and she, you know, fattens them up. So he's basically just a food source. So in this book, the horrors are all about vampirism as a metaphor. It's all about how Felicity just becomes so consumed by wealth, by greed. She turns into this horrible person. And Isaac, of course, gets the blunt nasty end of that equation as well but you see how it affects the both of them this is Mm. fucking brilliant okay i got a question for both of you i get to ask because i drunk almost an entire bottle of wine so i can ask this um if you could be a paranormal creature what paranormal creature do you think you would be jackie your first i would be a shapeshifter because i always like to bring about the element of surprise i don't like to be one thing i like to do many different things and just Change it up a little bit. And I, I like love to that. Totally cosplay. Mark, what would you be? I like to be the deal maker types, like the guys that meet at the crossroads at midnight to teach out about guitar. Yeah, and teach out you know, exchange for your soul. Stuff like that. I love that stuff. Yeah, That's yeah. you know, I, you know, I would totally play Devil Went Down to Georgia and play a guy on a golden fiddle for, uh, you know, to, you know, for his soul and stuff. I think I, that's what I'd want to be. I'd want to be that the guy who like I get you what you need. But, you know, you got to give me something, too. So and that's that's fucking brilliant. I already know that it's funny because me and my friends have talked about this as much as I'd love to be like a, a vampire or something cool. I go into mama bear mode and lose my fucking shit when somebody goes anywhere near somebody I care about. So I feel like I'm full on werewolf. Like I would wear the fuck out and kill you because you attack somebody I care about. I, I would like to say I'm like this serene, like I'd love to be a druid who loves you. No, fucking I would claws out the entire thing would happen. So I have a question for you. Do you finish books? Like if they're not great, do you finish them or do you throw them away? Absolutely. I always finish them, but it's not always in a timely thing. So if I have a project I'm working on, I don't know where it's going. I'll put it to the side and work on something else. But in general, I I see everything through to the end. I really do. Now, when I wrote The Mirror Tales, that short piece, I'm currently expanding it to include it into the rest of my collection. It's taken me some time to get to it because I feel like I'm writing a whole different version of it. You know, you can't just take a short story and expand upon it. Sometimes you find yourself writing something completely different. 
So in a way, I feel like I've taken a little bit longer with this one, but in a way, I feel like it's going to be worth it in the end. I want it to be perfect. Do you have a graveyard of stories? I have a graveyard of stories. No, not really. I mean, I'll have like some outlines of stuff that didn't progress into books yet, but I know someday there will be. That is awesome. So 2020 has destroyed most of the haunting season. And convention Uh, season. And convention season. Uh, what are yeah. your plans for, uh, how are you going to try to present cosplays? Are you doing a lot of virtual appearances like this? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird though, because it's, it's not the same, but it is. So I did CyberCon back in April and I did all three, all three characters of my books. I did the ghost, I did Mary and I did the vampire Felicity a little bit, even though I didn't have my fangs at the time, but I got them now. Yeah. I got custom fangs made and I couldn't wear them. So that was the biggest, <laughs> that was the saddest moment of, of my, of my life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I so trivia every month at my work tomorrow. I'm Elsa. I made yeah. another gentleman who works with me dress up as Anna. <laughs> fantastic. But I was going to do Captain Hook tomorrow, but, uh, you know, you're not doing I'm, Captain Hook tomorrow. What the well, I'm not in the, I'm not on the freaking zoom. So I can like, put I'm you just, on the zoom. No, so I'm actually one of the contestants. So. Oh, are you? Never mind. You're not on the fucking zoom. Fuck that. <laughs> Although Sean has asked me to help you guys next time. So I, I think, uh, I think, uh, you know that, what we're doing next time? No, not yet, but hunger said, games. Oh, I'm doing Effie in the butterfly. Outfit. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. I could grow the weird beard. I could be weird beard guy. Maybe snow. Yeah, so. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Yeah, I cool. Could so what? Um, so all of us as writers, like a lot of my podcast guests have heard this. I my characters realize everything. I'm very well aware of this trait now, so I don't do it. But um, they, I put realized in a lot of stuff. Like now, every time I write it, I'm like, wait, well, well, how many times have I said realized in the story? What is your quirk? You have to have a quirk or at least one, if not two. What is your quirk? Like overused words that my editor tells me in every email. Yeah. You can overuse these words ever else. again. Yeah. I use the word yep. look. I'll say look a lot. Like this person looked this way or looked that way or looked in a certain way. I, I, I need to stop doing that. But it's like something happens. What are you going to do? You, you look up. You glance up. Oh, my God. What just happened? I say look too much. Oops. What about you, Mark? I don't think I fucking asked you that question. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. My yeah. my uh, my uh, editor hates that I start every other sentence with the. Oh yes, because, <laughs> because it's it's all the story says the character you know the 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 person saw this the thing saw that the thing stepped forward it's like. Okay, it's a definitive article. I have to use it occasionally. <laughs> so now every time I go to start typing the, I sit there and just freak out about it. It's just like that's the four hours and the five hours. It's him going. Yeah, how do I replace the word the? How do I do it without a the? <laughs> okay. Um, so here's a fun question: What throws you out of a story the most, Jackie? When I'm reading something, um, predictability. I don't like reading something and I know exactly what's going to happen, where it's going to go, how it's going to end. You know, the typical boy meets girl, they fall in love, they get in a fight. Oh, no. Are they going to break up? Oh, no. They're getting married happily ever after the end. Bye. It's it's boring. It's trite. It, it's, it's, just, it's just really, really dumb. If you think about it, why would you just write the same story? Where's the story? You know, 
where is it? Where's the element of surprise? Where's the plot for God's sake? I mean, we've all had books where we'll read it and you'll see this happening, you know, so it's like a bad rom-com. Like, I don't want to read a rom-com, but bye. You know, it's interesting you say that because in talking to a lot of authors, there's an exact methodology to writing romance for romance readers. There's an exact methodology. Mm-hmm. External conflict, internal conflict, resolution of external conflict. Like, there's an exact way you have to write those books. Makeup sex. Those, those, the cozy mysteries have exact, they have classes on how to write the perfect cozy mystery, and every one of them, beep, 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 solve. You know, you and you're, but I agree. Like my one of the things I pride myself on in writing my horror stories, and it's it's kind of a running joke with anybody who's in my audience is um, people will be listening to a story. Like I've had um, actors read my stories. There was a couple of different events I had where actors read my short stories, and at the end, literally, the audience was like. What the fuck just what just happened? Like it like oh, at the end cool. it's not clapping or resolution. Like the audience members are looking at each other like, is that the fucking what the fuck just happened? And I I pride myself on that because I go, that's what I want at the end of the story, is I want somebody to go, what the fuck just happened? Like yeah, that's your like, goal. The what the fuck is is the goal, I think. Oh, yeah. Because it, you if you already know what's gonna happen, then what's What's the whole point? I think we have that challenge when it comes to horror. I really do. Now, horror is kind of a kind of a weird description too, because it's not the same as a movie. And I say this a lot. I'll say this a million times, and I probably will keep on saying this a million times until I die. But you don't turn a page and jump. You don't. I mean, the worst critique that you can get as a horror author is that it's not scary. Okay, but. Like I said, you're not going to turn the page and jump, but does the story stay with you? Does it make you question things? Does it make you wonder what's going to happen? Are you concerned about those characters? Do you want to yep. know what's going to happen to them? I think that's where the horror element comes to play. Is there a sense of danger? And so what is your favorite? Read, go ahead. Mark. No, so when I read one, uh, uh, The Languisher to Go, mm-hmm. that had some moments in it that gave me definitive chills. And that's yeah. as like and you know, and got goosebumps. I saw I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about them because they were so well done. And I was like, this writer is so brilliant, and you know, and has that creep factor so yeah. down. There's and, a little um, virtual heart. You guys don't see it, but yeah, yeah, that was that was that made my heart sore too. But it just it really did. I was just like, oh my gosh, when they they've got it, they know how to hit the right notes, and so that was you know and that's what sold me on your stuff so that's i i you know i can't give you any better better props than that That oh i'm so glad i mean that's always something we always want to hear too because and sometimes in horror too you know you have the good guy and the bad guy um but does the good guy always win does the bad guy win um even better who's the good guy who's the bad guy i mean in lambisher to go you brought up a good point mark in uh, the lambisher to go we definitely have our good guy uh father atticus the priest that sees the visions of the antichrist and then you got mary who's the antichrist who's the bad guy and actually they're going to have their ultimate showdown but i mean who knows what's going to go down now in other stories that i have you don't you know, i mean you have characters with shades of gray and i think in horror that's going to work out very well because suppose you have a good guy that does some bad things but you have a bad guy who also does some good things too and on uh, the little dog left you have your vampire characters but you don't see who is actually the villain just yet and the villain is actually mostly the main character, Felicity, and all the horrible decisions that she makes for both herself and for her son, Isaac. 
And her greatest weapon is not necessarily her vampirism. Her greatest weapon is her wallet and how she uses her reputation as an excuse for literally everything. Nice. Nice. I think it's fascinating. You know, one of my favorite things about stories, I have to say, yeah, um, Terry Goodkind, I think it was Terry Goodkind, wrote The Sword of Truth. I think I got this right. And one of the things I loved about The Sword of Truth, I've talked about this before, is there is a character in that book that is a pedophile, that is an evil asshole, has no redeeming qualities to it. One of the things I fucking hate is every time somebody takes an evil character and tries to make some redeeming quality so that you like them, mm-hmm. versus the fact that there can be pure evil in the world. Mm-hmm. There can be people, even if they think they're doing the right thing, are like completely on the wrong path. Mm-hmm. And I think it's always interesting when a horror writer can take that and take that view, even though that's not their view. Do you ever have a hard time with characters? Do you ever have a hard time getting into the mindset of a character? No, shake I your don't. head no. I'm sorry. Way, keep, nobody I can keep, see that. But I'm yeah. sorry. I keep, I keep forgetting. But yeah, no, I, sh- I shook my head because, because no, I, I don't. I always identify with them because I always want to create that character development that's going to create the story. Because the story is not the story without the characters. No matter who they are, the 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 good one, the, the evil one, no matter what they're experiencing, they are going to experience change. And they're going to experience change within themselves and change within their relationships with other people. So take Little Dog Laugh, for instance. You know, Felicity, in the beginning of the book, is rock bottom. She's 16 years old. She's poor as fuck, okay? She had a kid. Her parents kicked her out. She lives with her aunt and uncle. She's down on her luck, and she meets pretty boy Conrad Wellington, the, the, the third, who is rich and handsome and gorgeous and sexy and he's a vampire oh okay no big deal it's cool i get you're a vamp i i appreciate that about you 100 percent. no worries but as she moves into this family like i said before she becomes the the worst possible version of herself and we see nice innocent girl felicity disappear and her true character evolve her true person up here and it, she is absolutely horrible she's the very thing that you don't want to mess with and you don't want to meet at all because she's kind of like poisoned honey you know they they're, they're good natured they're good people they seem like they they do good in the world but people have dirty secrets and felicity's got some serious baggage she hid a child in, in that house that no one knows about with the exception of of the servant she actually pays a servant to help her raise the son and keep quiet about it wow yeah. do you do a lot of research for your books i do I do. What kind of research do you do? Well, sometimes research just kind of happens on its own. It'll be inspired by something. So, Little Dog Laughed is actually based loosely off of Flowers in the Attic. I don't know if you. I don't know if you read Flowers in the Attic. Oh uh, yeah. Okay, good, perfect. You're on the same page. So it's <laughs> yes. like that, um, except no incest, no brother sister incest, nasty stuff like that. That's um, the it's, best part. No, wait, I didn't say. No, that. it is. It is. What so, the fuck <laughs> is happening over there, Mark? You're not even drinking. What is going on? Oh, the meds have kicked in now. I'm. I'm. I'm having a. Woo-hoo! Oh boy. Oh, well. you know so, so Mark, let's not talk about what you're, what other stuff you're writing about. All right, cool. Oh no, not right now. And uh, oh. and uh, the lizard claimed another pair of flip flops the other day. So uh, excellent. Uh, so you started the trend. I did. I did. Yeah. Lizard ate one of my shoes. It was epic. She spent the <laughs> night for uh, a night uh, in our. My uh, wife raises reptiles and spiders, 
and she spent the night in the reptile room. And uh, one of the the big uh, uh, Savannah monitor got out and decided that Jackie's shoes were something that had died and needed to be buried. So she uh, it was dragging them that away. Was spooky buried them. Yeah, that was yeah, what we was It was adorable. Empire. So um, and so I, I, you know, the next day she had to run around explaining to people why there were lizard teeth prints on her shoes <laughs> it was a mark of love it's totally fine oh see what i did there mark of love uh-huh. uh-huh. i'm, I'm fine I'm okay sorry so getting getting back to that um yeah. getting back to flowers in the attic so yeah, i was inspired back. by flowers in the attic with the concept of being raised in secret so isaac the little boy is raised completely in solitude you know complete isolation no friends known to talk to no, no stimulation really except for seeing his mother occasionally and the servant woman who just continues to feed him, you know, cake and cookies and junk food to fatten him up and make him nice and delicious. So almost kind of like a little Hansel and Gretel type thing, you know, we're, we're going to eat the child. And there's a, a couple instances in there where I describe, you know, children feed on their mothers. Why can't mothers ever feed on their children? So I kind of switched that up a little bit. So I was inspired by that. Um, this one in particular, I didn't do a whole lot of research with. Now, I know that with, you know, vampires, you want some things to stay universal, you know, like they, you know, they, they, they drink blood and they can't have regular food. Or another one is they can't see the reflection. I actually went in and made my vampires in my universe to have reflections because Felicity and the family, they're very vain. So they are definitely going to want to see what they look like. So that was something I, I kept in. And you'll see that when you do, you know, supernatural mythological characters and creatures, some things that you want to keep, but in other ways you want to reinvent them. But you don't want to invent them so much that they're completely different. You only want to do a little little bit at a time. You only want to do so much to keep it, but also make it unique. No, I think it's interesting you say that because the whole thing about not seeing the reflection, all that, that was 100% Bram Stoker. Love him. He was like 54 when he wrote his book or something. It was ridiculous. He was older, which I I appreciate completely. But um, he took vampires and completely fucking changed them. And everybody's like, this is the way vampires are. And you're like, yeah, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that one. Um, I always thought was interesting about vampires is the concept that how up-to-date do they keep themselves? Because oh, very up-to-date. if you're not up-to-date on things, you could very easily be antiquated and then useless, and then mm-hmm. how well, do you do it? What are in the shadows is for? Oh, my that. God, that's one of my favorite shows. That's yeah. a great I, show. I love the movie. The movie was brilliant. The show so. is fucking perfect, yes. the way they do that show. They have to be, you know, vampires have to be, they have to, you know, keep themselves current and keep themselves modern to be able to, you know, function in the world. So with, with the Wellingtons, the, the vampire family, they are socialites. They own a restaurant, they own a country club. They're very, very rich. And they're actually the biggest do-gooders that you will ever meet. They are kind. They are, you know, they're wealthy. They're, they're kind. They're very warm. They're very welcoming. And it's very interesting. I want to talk about how they actually get their blood sources. They actually hold blood drives, and they have people come in and donate blood, and they pay them handsomely, like handsomely. So it's very contactless. They don't hunt. They don't give in to their feral instincts at all. So it's all very, very classy. It's an entire system that they do, and they have it delivered. And they take take care of their people. So it's a very communal thing. Their friends and family, they all know about them, obviously, 
and they just accept it just because of the way that they handle things. And it's because of this that they are not monsters. So they don't give in to their natural instincts. And actually, a, a critique I got on a review stated that there was no way that these vampires with these heightened senses would not know that there is a little boy living in their house. And you know, I read that thinking, okay, you know, good point, but they don't give in to their instincts. They don't hunt, so they're not going to know anything. Um, there's a point in the book where we see some of those instincts come out. Not going to spoil it, but we see we see someone kind of give in to their their feral instincts, their vampirism, and we see the ugly side of that. And that's where the hunting part comes out. But you know, when you're thinking about these things and you're thinking about the descriptions of supernatural characters, mythological creatures, and all those characteristics that they have and have to have, you have to work around it and see how you could find those little loopholes, you know? I think it's brilliant. I I cannot wait to read this. The little dog laughed. Correct. That is what we're talking about. The little dog laughed. I'm absolutely going to have to I'm already ordering it right now. I'm on your Amazon page. I'm not going to buy the $987.25 book. But Dude, I, I still am... can't believe that. I still cannot believe that. But I don't know what that is. I swear to God. It was not me. My the, ego when is the not small that big. I promise go out, when I promise you. Out, they, they, they go crazy with those prices. It's nuts. So. It's cool. So if you guys would like a keepsake edition of Jackie's book, it is $987.25 for the paperback no. version. Don't tell them that. Or or you can intelligently buy it for like $52. Oh, Jesus Christ. Or the other option you have is like I just did, which was instantly buy the Little Dog Laughed on Kindle, which was amazing. I bought just bought it because I can't wait to read it. And oh, you have yeah, hold on. She's, I'm here. No, no. I was oh. I was gonna grab the paperback and show you. Oh, see, I'm gonna have to grab the paperback as soon as I see you and make you sign it for me yes. in costume. All oh yeah. Things. I love well, I was that. Waiting. I was waiting on the new one because I wanted to see it at the next con and we didn't have one. So yeah. um, we so will. I'll, we will. It's COVID, but we will. We will persevere. And we'll come back and like oh. I said, Erica will be in ten different costumes because I have so many saved up now because I haven't stopped making them. Cool. By making them, I mean I make other people make them. I don't have sewing as a skill, but I have the idea. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, so, Jackie, how do people find you? We need shameless self-promotion again, pretty please. Okay. Well, you can find me on my website, which is JackieSunnerberg.com, my name. You know, pretty easy, pretty basic. You can find all my work on Amazon. And, it, you know, as you said, it's available on Kindle Unlimited, so you could download as an ebook, And there are also paperback versions, too. But what I'm doing right now is I'm, you know, without the help of conventions and everything, I'm trying to grow my social media accounts. So I'm on Facebook as author Jackie Sonnenberg. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at Books. So my name, except books at the end. Haha, ha, I'm clever and all that. And actually, I'm trying to grow my email list right now. So if you give me your email address, you sign off my author newsletter. Right now, I'm running some promotions. I'm hoping to get uh, some 99 cent sales going on. So once I do that, I like to have a Nice collection of email addresses. So if you'd like to know about book promotions, then sign up and I will add you. By the way, newsletters out there, just for the record, are the absolute fucking best way to connect with an author. Because the thing about newsletters, and I'm just going to do a plug for everybody out there, is that you get all of the inside details. Authors tend to give every 
bit of themselves to their newsletter list that you do not get to see on other parts of social media. So sign up, you get the best deals, you know when things are coming out. You can sometimes be a part of the creative process. And if you're a super good newsletter fucking follower, you might even get to be a beta reader. So Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. sign up for all the newsletters. Absolutely. I'd love to share some content with people too, and maybe get a contest going to see who could name the next character. Oh my God. I like following Jackie so I can get teases of her next cosplay. So that too. Fun. Yeah. Especially anybody out there that is into costuming and cosplay. I'd like to post some like how to videos of how I made stuff. I've got some pictures of when I made the lamb and that whole process that I think I posted somewhere, but that just gives you an idea of what I want to do with all these things. I think all the, the projects. Doll, you won an award at spooky that year. I recall like best original character or something. So that was, that was amazing. So. Yes. Best craftsmanship. Yeah. If you guys have not followed Jackie yet, you absolutely fucking need to follow her. And we'll obviously post her links. And she's doing a really cute face. You guys can't see it because we don't post videos yet at this time because I, yeah, words. Um, But you have been a thoroughly amazing guest. I love having you. I hope you definitely come again on our podcast when you're next. Oh, yeah, I would love to. Fucking Cinderella. I want to be, I want to see that fucking costume when it's about 95 percent done i cannot wait to see that costume that sounds amazing she needs she needs she needs some more details but yeah i got her i got my ashen puddle she's ready that is amazing thank you so much for being on the podcast you have been thoroughly amazing i've loved having you for having me and for giving me an excuse to just sit around and dick around and not do anything I, I, hey, if I can encourage that in life, I'm all about that. So I want to thank again. This has been Drinking with Authors Literary Briefs. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co host has been Mark Muncie of erieflorida.com, where you can find my stuff. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Mark, do your shameless self promotion, please. My shameless self promotion is uh, Erie, Florida. Uh, we do myths, monsters, and legends of the Sunshine State and the dark history behind them. And then we are following it up next year with Erie, Appalachia, because uh, we're finally getting out of the state after three books. The publisher's like, Do you want to do something else? I'm like, Yes, please. So- <laughs> That's because Florida is fucking dark. So the series fuck. is being changed to Erie Travels, but you can still find us at erieflorida.com. Oh, amazing. Jackie, you have been thoroughly amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank for thank you for giving me the, the time to be here and, and drink and, and talk books and creepy shit with you. I love it. It's my life. Absolutely. This has been Drinking with Authors, Literary Freaks, and we'll see you next time.